Lord, we come to grasp and take hold of so great a sacrifice. And Lord, it just seems to be a season of heaviness and heartache. And Lord, I I confess I'm tired of the word cancer. I'm tired of broken families. I'm tired of drug addiction. I'm tired of death. I'm tired of confusion, disillusion. And Lord, it just seems as though all of this is so heavy. But I pray today, Lord, in the midst of all of it, that we would see a great light. I pray your comfort and your peace upon your people. Holy Spirit, ministers, folks have been drawn to this place today to know of you and to be strengthened by your spirit. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about the, the Christmas service and I used a verse in the Christmas service out of Isaiah 9. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It was a messianic verse that spoke of the coming of the Messiah, that he would be born and he'd be the light of the world. But I think about this idea that in every person's life, in the darkness, and quite honestly, um, I, like you, am just a little bit tired of, if I hear the word cancer again, friends are being hit with it. My mother died of it. I look at the world and the terrorism and the the death and the murder and the misery. The confusion of it all and looking at the future for our children and the debt. And the, I mean, you, you, it's any wonder you want to wake up in the morning sometimes. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that way, I guess. <laughs> But it's amazing how despair sets in like a cloud. And it envelops you. It seems like it's all shadows and very little light. It's confusing and overwhelming. It seems like the future has no promise. Our hopes are dashed and our dreams die. It's in those times that hard questions come. I was thinking about, it's okay, don't worry, he's... Those are our boys, right? Amen? Amen. They process the sermon in a different way, and I love it. So just roll with it. But it's in those times that we we ask those hard questions. You you hear that diagnosis, or you, you, you see flashed on the television graphic scenes of brutality and horror and you you want to hope you want a future for your children and your grandchildren John 1 4 says in Christ was life and that life was the light of men Charles Dickens wrote a tale of two cities 
In the opening passage, and you've heard it, he says, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom and it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief and it was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light and it was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope and it was the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven and we were all going direct the other way. Written in the 1800s, those words could be used today to describe our times. I think at times how hard it is to find encouragement when day in and day out you, you see people hurting. But this verse, John 8, 12, Jesus speaks and he says, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. When the verse in Isaiah was written, into this darkness a great light is shown. The world had grown hard and cynical. Rome, fascist nation, had its boot on the neck of every man and woman in the known world. But there was something wonderful that entered into the world, a light shone into the darkness. God's good news is always greater than the world's bad news. Did you hear that? John described in this passage that a light comes into the darkness. This idea is the darkness cannot take it down. It couldn't conquer it. It couldn't overpower it. Darkness is negative. It simply is the absence of light. It has no power of its own. It only exists in the absence of the other. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish a single candle. But what darkness can do is it creates illusions. It creates illusions. You see things when you can't see very well. And your imagination runs wild. We all know as little children, we see shadows and we are frightened. But if you turn on just one light, even a light as small as this candle, everything seems to change and you can see clearer. And the more light you turn on, the clearer it becomes, right? Light overcomes the darkness. It's not the, over, the other way around. Darkness doesn't overcome light. Light always overcomes darkness. And that's the truth about the kingdom of God's light. Darkness can never put it out, no matter how bad it seems. You see, this is Good Friday. You want to talk about a dark time in the history of humanity. The illusion that God was dead. And that darkness reigns supreme. But you see, light allows us to see what is real. Illusion is the only thing that darkness can create, but light allows us to see what is real. And the tragedy is darkness takes away hope. And I don't know where you are right now in the span of your life. But we go through times 
where this shadow of darkness befalls us and hope dwindles. And we complain. We go into despair. But today in this place, you think about the final hours to the death of Christ. Despair enveloped everyone. The disciples scattered. Women wept. The ground shook. The temple was shaken to its foundations and the veil was torn in the heaviness of it all. Darkness tried to convince us that there was no light. And in the illusion that God would be dead and the world would have no savior. And as we watched the body of our savior upon the cross, as his life began to extinguish and the darkness began to envelop him. As he hung upon that cross, for 18 hours, the world had brutalized him and beaten him. They had abused him, torn his back to shreds, beaten his face beyond recognition. They placed a crown of thorns upon his head And as he hung there dying, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. With all that was left in that earthly body, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And the darkness began to envelop the world. Then Jesus turned to the thief on the cross who had mocked him earlier with the other thief. He began to realize that this is a righteous man. What have I done? He said, remember me when you enter into paradise. Jesus dying, life leaving his body. With what was left, he served that man. He said to that thief with all that was left in him, he said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. And with that effort, he spoke those words and his body began to fade. Not content just serving the thief on the cross, he turned to his mother and to the apostle John. He saw them both there at the foot of the cross and struggling to breathe so that he wouldn't suffocate, pulling himself up by the nails in his wrists. He was mindful of his earthly family, knowing the despair that was enveloping them, knowing the need for care for his mother, that he wouldn't be there on this earth to help her physically. He said, Mother, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. He hadn't had anything to drink. His blood was pouring out of his body. The agony to express those words took more life from his physical body. And then he said something that was contractual and odd. 
Because long before the sun would arise, he'd go to a solitary place and there commune with the Father. He loved the Father and the Father loved the Son. He always referred to God the Father as Father. But here, his fourth statement, excruciating, overwhelming. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't call him father. Because at that moment, all the sins of the world had been poured upon him. And the brutality and the pain of all that we've done. Generations past and yet to come were poured upon our Savior. The contractual agreement that the penalty must be paid at that moment, he went from being father to God. This is a just God, a holy God, one who cannot look upon this. And that contract was sealed. And in the misery of it all, thanks. His body was failing, life was waning couldn't even speak because his tongue was so swollen he said I thirst he said I thirst because he knew that he wasn't finished with what he had to tell mankind And those words had to leave his mouth. But without moisture, he wouldn't be able to speak. They moistened his mouth. He said one word, but to us it's three. He said, to Telestai, it is finished. And the final words before he died. He said something that for us today we must take to heart. He no longer called him God in the contractual agreement. In his final words he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into the hands of the Father. The hands that created the universe. Formed the stars. Fashioned the most minute detail of all of creation. And for 15 to 18 hours, he had been in the hands of wicked men. Oh, what they did to him. With their hands, they beat him. They slapped him. They abused him with their hands. They crowned him with thorns with their hands. They ripped out his beard with their hands. 
They smashed him black and blue with their hands. And they whipped his back until he was torn to bits with their hands. But all that was behind him now. Wicked hands had done all that they could do. And now Jesus turns to the hands of his father. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Psalm 92 says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you've done, and I will sing for joy at the works of your hands. These are the hands to which Jesus commits himself. What wonderful hands they are. He committed himself into the hands of his Father for safekeeping. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. It was a crucifixion, but it wasn't an execution. He committed himself to God's plan for our salvation. Willingly, no man takes his life. He willingly lays it down. When he was finished into his father's hands, he committed his spirit. Because of his commitment, we have salvation. He gave his life willingly to follow the Father. And the Father gave his Son to us that we would be saved. But I close with the last two words of the final statement. Into thy hands I commit my spirit. You see, you're going to exist forever. You're a spiritual being and you will exist forever. Where you spend that eternity depends on how you respond to the Savior. Jesus said in Matthew 25, He will say to those on His left, Depart from Me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. But then he'll say to those who've trusted him, enter into thy rest. When Jesus committed his spirit and he died, he died praying to God and he died trusting God and he died submitting to God the Father. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And as he said this to Martha, he said to her, Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Into thy hands I commit my spirit, Father. Having five kids and having been a child myself, picture came to me and my kids when they were little and they'd always crawl into our bed and they'd fall asleep in our bed and children aren't fun to have in your bed when you're tired <laughs> they take up real estate that doesn't belong to them and when the time would come I'd pick up my little children 
and I carry them into their bed. And though they fell asleep in one location, they'd end up in their bed because the strong hands of their father carried them where they belonged. I can't imagine living Daniel now. (laughs) But those were loving hands that delicately carried them so as not to awaken them to the place where they belonged. And I think as we prepare to leave this place, you're overwhelmed. And like me, it seems as though the storm clouds have entered and despair is creeping in. And it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. No doubt in a fallen world, we have troubles. But into that darkness, we have seen a great light. And that light is the life of men. And God has come that we might have life and life more abundant. But we have to trust him and commit our spirit into his hands in the midst of the trial and the heartache and the struggle and the suffering and the diagnosis and the loss and the pain we must give ourselves into his hands and trust him that you may fall asleep here but you will awaken having been carried by the strong faithful hands of your father where you belong God is not slack concerning his promises and we can give him our lives fully Our God is alive. And no matter how dark that day was, when the light of his life seemed to have been extinguished and the illusion in the darkness was that God was dead, he was not. And on Sunday, the tomb was empty because our God is alive and he is the light of the world. And we too can commit ourselves into the hands of the Father. It's going to be all right. Daddy knows best. Amen? Amen. Join with me as we pray. Lord, we recognize the shadows and the illusion of the darkness that tries to confuse us as though somehow darkness is prevailing and that these words have destroyed hope but nothing could be further from the truth because all we need is one candle and the shadows disappear And it becomes the focal point of the room. And we keep our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And you are light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And we have nothing to fear. For you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You are our God. But more importantly, you are our Father. 
into your hands we commit our spirits to honor you and to trust you with what that which you've begun you're faithful to complete no matter how the world seeks to deceive us our God is alive the grave couldn't hold him and with this we hope and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus name Amen.